The same thing that made Derek Carr's final days with the Las Vegas Raiders unsuccessful could be the thing that makes him most successful with the New Orleans Saints. We got all that and a little bit of land yet for you on today's episode of Locked on Saints. You are Locked on Saints, your daily New Orleans Saints podcast, part of the Locked on Podcast Network, your team every day. What is good, Houdat Nation and Houdat family? Welcome into another episode of Locked on Saints, your daily podcast covering your favorite team, the New Orleans Saints. Put a Locked on Podcast Network, your team every day. Thanks so much as always for making Locked on Saints your first listen of the day every day. Don't forget you can subscribe and follow for free on YouTube or wherever you get your podcasts. And of course, continue the conversation one-on-one with me over at joinsubtext.com slash Locked on Saints. As always, I'm your host, Ross Jackson, at Ross Jackson Nola on Twitter, your New Orleans Saints expert, credential member of the media, senior writer, and reporter over at Saints News Network, Sports Illustrated's fan nation site covering the New Orleans Saints. You can find me every Tuesday over on the Locked on NFL podcast and here with you every single Monday through Friday on Locked on Saints. And on today's episode, it's brought to you by our friends over at FanDuel Sportsbook, official sportsbook of the NFL. Make every moment more by visiting fanduel.com slash locked on to get started today. What's going on, everybody? And welcome into another live episode of Locked on Saints as two a days here on the show continue to roll along. Happy Memorial Day to everyone and a big salute and thank you to all those who, uh, you know, I, I want to say like, Bit thank you. You know what I mean? It it's a tough it's a tough day, and and I'll be honest, it's a little bit of a conflicting day, uh, for me too in terms of like my family and all those other things. So it's always kind of hard, but it's a good day. It's a good day, and we say thank you. Um, on today's episode, I want to take a look at a couple of different things here. We're going to be looking at Isaiah Foskey, Brian Brzee. What are some of the kind of initial hurdles that they need to make in order to be uh, you know, NFL impactful NFL rookies in 2023. We're also going to take a look as well at um, Derek Carr and his ability to help the New Orleans Saints elevate their offense versus what we've seen from the offense over the course of the past couple of years, especially last year with the Andy Dalton, Pete Carmichael offense that kind of had a little bit of, um, you know, didn't have the success that you had hoped uh, with Jameis Winston and Pete Carmichael to start uh, that year. And so uh, I think that when it comes to that, which is where we're going to start, the thing that makes Derek Carr's last two years in Las Vegas a little bit of a struggle is actually kind of the thing that should allow the New Orleans Saints to be able to maximize Derek Carr's abilities uh, and for Derek Carr to maximize his abilities and elevate their offense with the New Orleans Saints in 2023. What do I mean by that? Well, what I mean by that is that a big portion of what happened with Derek Carr over the course of the past couple of years, double-digit interceptions, all those other things. Um, a, you know, I, I think it's a little bit tough to call the Las Vegas Raiders last season on offense a successful season, although Derek Carr was not a part of two of those games toward the end of the year. Um, the, the reason why doesn't really come down to Derek Carr. It's not like Derek Carr got to a position here to where he just all of a sudden forgot how to play football or you know took a sharp decline or anything like that. This year, we'll kind of prove whether or not it was a Derek Carr decline or if it was something else, but I'm willing to put money on it being something else, and that something else being Josh McDaniels and the system that the Las Vegas Raiders had last season. Let's just be honest here. The system in Las Vegas hasn't been good for a while. I mean, 
you know, the John Gruden days with Derek Carr were pretty solid. And then that all kind of came to its very tumultuous uh, end. And then Rich Bisaccia took over. You had the interim head coach, and then you turned things over to Josh McDaniels, who has found success in the NFL as an offensive coordinator when he was paired with Bill Belichick, but hasn't ever really found success, Josh McDaniels, as his own kind of coach play caller. That that has not been a successful pathway for him thus far. And really being away from Bill Belichick hasn't really been uh, successful for him. And I think that, <laughs> that's, that's funny. I think that um, the other thing that you have to consider too, just to kind of, um, get this get this out of the way is that the defense in Las Vegas slash Oakland for Derek Carr has never really been that great. Has never been within the top 20. Derek Carr has never played for a, a played with a defense that had his back in that way. Hopefully the Saints will be able to maintain their success over the defensive side, which will help with that. But the thing about it is that, and that's a really good point too, not only did he only have success with Bill Belichick, he only had success with Tom Brady. And well, duh, right? Like of course, you're going to have success with Tom Brady. And so I think that looking at Derek Carr, what you now can see is that he is a little bit, I don't want to call him scheme dependent, but he's the type of person where you put him in a good scheme and you put him in a good system and he's able to elevate that system, execute that system. If you have him in a system that doesn't support him, no matter how good the supporting cast is around him, because remember, Devontae Adams was there, um, Hunter Renfro, who a lot of people are clamoring for the New Orleans Saints to have. Uh, was there. Uh, they had Darren Waller. They had Foster Moreau, who's now a New Orleans Saint. They had Josh Jacobs uh, in the backfield, all of that. When you consider all that, you have to look at how were those players utilized and did it support, did the system support the talent? And I think it's pretty easy to see that the system did not support the talent in Las Vegas, especially last year, where it was a little bit of a kind of want to go, want to throw it deep, want to throw it deep, want to throw it deep type of mentality, even though you didn't have an offense and especially an offensive line, nor a defense that allowed you to be able to make up for those mistakes. If you're going to be an offense that challenges downfield, 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 you have to be prepared to turn the ball over. It's called a high variance offense. So if you're pushing the ball downfield and you're doing all of this, you have to understand that those are lower percentage throws downfield. And so there's a big difference between throwing behind the line of scrimmage or five yards beyond the line of scrimmage to throwing 30, 40 yards down the field beyond the line of scrimmage. You're going to get a high variance approach in that way. And so you're going to turn the ball over. Look back at the Saints in you know the, the, the kind of golden years of the New Orleans Saints offense. Drew Brees was throwing upwards of 20 interceptions in seasons because it was a high variance, deep attack, high flying offense. When that happens, you have to have a defense that's willing to and that is capable of getting the ball back in your hands and being able to make stops, not allowing turnovers to turn into points. This was a big issue for the New Orleans Saints 2014, 15, and 16, where you saw one of the, or, or a collection of the three most successful seasons when it comes to Drew Brees and the offense's execution, but historically bad defenses couldn't hold the leads, despite the fact that the Saints were putting up 30, 40 points in some of those games. That is basically where the Las Vegas Raiders have been for quite some time, particularly over on the defensive side of the ball. And so I think that that's a piece that you have to look at and say, okay, if the New Orleans Saints are able to put together a successful system on the offensive side that supports its skill position players, that supports its quarterback, Derek Carr is the type of quarterback that can come in and elevate those pieces. Somebody in the chat right now just said that, um, you know, y'all are forgetting about how bad the Saints coaches are, quote unquote, which We'll have to wait and see, but I think when you look at what Derek Carr comes in and is able to do for you, 
despite like, you know, just kind of being willing to, you know me, I'm not somebody that's willing to come in and say, this thing is bad, that thing is bad, but I will say this thing is needs to be fixed and this thing needs to be improved. And that's kind of the point of Derek Carr. Derek Carr is there to help you improve the offensive system, which needed, which needs to be improved from last year. I think that that is a fair thing to say, but I wouldn't go so far as to say, well, the Saints are screwed. It doesn't matter. Everything's bad. So throw it all out the window. You got to do something here. You got to go out there and play. You got to try to come home and bring you know these fans some victories every now and then. And if you're not going to do that, then get out of the NFL. And that's not who the New Orleans Saints are. The New Orleans Saints are absolutely dedicated to competing. They're absolutely dedicated to winning. And so when you look at sort of the high variance offense that the Las Vegas Raiders ran, that was a system that Derek Carr was able to run and that Derek Carr was comfortable running, but didn't have the support elsewhere, particularly on the defensive side, when it comes to the high variance. Turnovers turned into points for opposing offenses. The Saints, A, are not going to be a high variance offense. They're going to be an offense that still wants to stretch the field horizontally, will look to attack vertically, but is still mostly going to focus on their West Coast concepts, the things that keep them scheming and doing all the things to scheme and create separation for their wide receivers, as opposed to relying on the wide receivers to create separation for themselves, which is an important delineation. And on top of that, uh, the next piece that you look at is that you're not throwing the ball downfield and you're not putting the ball in harm's way. Then you add on the defense to where when you do take those shots downfield, if they don't work out and you do turn the ball over, you have a defense that can get the ball back for your offense. And that's a huge difference when it comes to Josh McDaniels and what, what he tried to do with Las Vegas and what the New Orleans Saints will try to do with Derek Carr at the helm. There's a big thing here in the chat right now that I absolutely disagree with. Somebody saying that Jameis Winston is the starter, but that Derek Carr is overrated. Let me be very clear with you. Jameis Winston is very much not the starter. Derek Carr is the starter, and Derek Carr, the things that actually led to some of the struggles in Las Vegas should be the same things in terms of his ability to be able to run a system and his sort of definition by the system in terms of what we've seen so far in his career should allow him, if a successful system is put around him, to not only be the starter in 2023, which he 100% is, there is no doubt about that, but allow him to be successful and elevate the New Orleans Saints offense from where it was last year with Andy Dalton and Jameis Winston. Coming up next, we're going to take a look at the rookies, particularly first and second round guys, Brian Brzee and Isaiah Fossey. We're going to start off with Brian Brzee because he is one small but large, if that makes sense, adjustment away, or let me not say adjustment away, but improvement away from being exactly who the New Orleans Saints need him to be. And he's surrounded by the right people to make that improvement sooner rather than later. We got that coming up for you as we continue on with today's episode of Locked on Saints, part of Locked on Podcast Network, your team every day. And today's episode of Locked on Saints is brought to you by FanDuel, America's number one sports book, and of course, our official sports betting partners here on the Locked on Podcast Network. And right now, if you have never used FanDuel before, it's your lucky day, because FanDuel, if you head over to uh, fanduel.com slash locked on, you're going to be able to sign up and get a no sweat first bet of up to, are you ready for this? Are you listening to this? $2,500 that can come back to you if your first bet doesn't win. Up to $2,500 will come back to you in bonus bets if your first bet doesn't win. And it's FanDuel. It's America's number one sports book. It's safe. It's secure. It's super easy to use, especially with their app. So go and check them out today. FanDuel.com, America's number one sports book. You can head over to FanDuel.com slash locked on to get started today. Make every moment more with FanDuel, the official sports betting partner of the NFL. All right, family, continuing on with today's episode of Locked on Saints. It is a live episode here 
uh, on this wonderful Memorial Day. Thanks, everybody, for being here live or for being here later and for catching the show. Appreciate you, as always, for continuing to support and for all you everydayers out here for making Locked on Saints your first listen of the day every day. So the next thing that I want to look at here is Brian Brzee, because Brian Brzee was... A guy that, as he was coming out of high school, was the number one recruit in the country. He was ahead of the guy that went 1.1 this year, which, of course, was Bryce Young, his same high school class entering college, and then, of course, same draft class coming out of college. Brian Brzee was ahead of that guy going into college. He went to Clemson, had a great you know, freshman year. I believe he was like freshman of the year that year, and then he ended up sort of dealing with injuries, personal life stuff, the death of his his little sister, Ella, all these other things. So there's so many sort of pieces of context around Brian Brzee. But the one thing that you know about him is that when he's healthy and when he's on the field, he is very, very hard to deal with if you're an interior offensive lineman. Now, the biggest improvement that you're looking for from Brian Brzee and perhaps the biggest hurdle or roadblock that's ahead of him is simply health. He has to prove that he is going to be healthy at the next level. If he's able to do that, then that's a huge hurdle for him to clear. He did tell us that this is the best that he has felt, but everybody says that to some extent. We'll have to wait and see what he actually looks like once he gets out on the field and once the season begins. But I'm inclined to believe him for now. Now, when it comes to the thing that's kind of the element of his game that you would like to see him improve, that ends up being a really interesting one. And the big thing that you want to see him improve is his ability to be able to contribute more to the run game. And that's not just as simple as making tackles or things like that. It means that when he is, when, when, you know, an offense runs directly at him, things like that, and he is kind of the focus of the blocking scheme, he has to be able to work his way loose, fight through and be able to, to make some stops. Now he's got a great motor. He's got a great set of moves, all those other things. So the biggest thing that you're looking to be able to adjust with him is simply his ability to be able to uh, be present and make those plays and uh, find a way to limit the run game. His ability and his sort of, you know, what it is that he does as a pass rusher, that's his specialty. He is a three-tech penetrating pass rusher that attacks sort of between that tackle and guard and is able to, you know, work through, work through double teams in the pass rush game, all of those other things. He's got the versatility to line up out further out wide and then be able to move inside. But I think you're going to see him spend most of his time inside. The biggest thing is going to be, can he find a way to make sure that he is getting the consistent leverage that he needs in being able to maintain gap integrity and cut off some of those run, uh, some of that run game. And some of that, like I mentioned, doesn't mean that he has to be the one to make the tackle. Don't get it twisted. Not uh, playing on the interior of the defensive line isn't all about the plays that you make. A lot of times it's about the plays that you help others make. So he'll need to be able to occupy and stack some of those blockers and hold on and keep those blockers engaged for extended periods of time. That's going to open up additional paths and additional lanes for him. He gets a lot or got a lot, let me say, when he was in college at Clemson, got a ton of extra attention on the interior. Guards and centers teaming up together for the ace blocks, guards and tackles teaming up together for the duo double teams, all the things that you see teams do to be able to get their run game going. And he would sometimes be neutralized in terms of his attack there and get moved off of his spot and stuff like that. So a big part of what he's going to have to do is be able to engage and anchor, not get moved off the spot. 
If he's able to do that, then all of a sudden he's opening up pass rushing lanes. He's opening up run fit lanes for some of the second level players to be able to come downhill and make some of those tackles. These are things that are never going to show up on a stat sheet, right? Like there's no such thing as something that shows up on the stat sheet that says, hey, Brian Brzee held his own and opened up a lane for a, you know, run stopping downhill, you know, Demario Davis or Pete Werner to be able to penetrate, get into the backfield and get a tackle for a loss on the run game. Those are the things that you're going to need to see from Brian Brzee. And if he's able to start to develop those things sooner rather than later, it quickly makes him a three down interior defensive lineman for the New Orleans Saints. And that's certainly the expectation for him. I think that it would be more surprising to not see him be eventually the starter, even if it doesn't happen week one, to you know be the guy that gets the first set of snaps on first and 10 from the 25 with 15 minutes still left on the clock. Uh, you know, over guys like like Nathan Shepard, Malcolm Roach. I think Colin Saunders plays a different position. I think he plays that one tech, zero tech, nose tackle type. So he and Brian Brzee, uh, Colin Saunders, and Nathan Shepard should be able to coexist quite a bit uh, in the NFL or 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 for the New Orleans Saints defensive line. And so the look at where Brzee ends up being able to make a big leap is actually not necessarily just him making plays, but opening up opportunities for others to make plays. The thing that you can kind of rest easy on when it comes to Brzee is that you know that he's going to be able to be, as long as he's healthy and on the field, which again, we expect will be the case for him, um, as long as he's healthy and on the field, he's the guy that's going to be disruptive. He's the guy that's going to be able to get after the quarterback. He's the guy that's going to be able to make quarterbacks' lives a little bit more challenging because of the importance of pass rush from the interior. A lot of times when we talk about the pass rush, we're talking about the edge rushers. That's where the majority of pass rush pressure seems to come in the NFL. It's less congested. It's a little bit more wide open. You can utilize your speed and power moves. You can speed to power convert. You have a little bit more freedom as a pin your ears back from the edge type of pass rusher. But when you're on the interior, it's a little bit of a smaller space. You're operating in closer corners. You're operating within a telephone booth. You're not necessarily able to pick up speed. You can't line up out wide and try to beat somebody around the edge. Those are things that are going to have to Uh, that you just kind of have to win with your ability to be able to be a pure pass rusher. And Brian Brzee has that skill set. Absolutely. It's one of the reasons why he's a first round guy. It's one of the reasons why he was the number one uh, prospect in all of the NFL. You know what I mean? And so the way that I look at where Brian Brzee gives you what it is that you're looking for, much like we discussed about him early on before the NFL draft, is that he gives you the pass rushing presence. The Saints very clearly want to be a an attacking, aggressive, interior defensive line. That's one of the reasons why they went out and they got guys like Colin Saunders as well as Nathan Shepard. Both of those guys ranking very, very close to the guys that they're uh, that they're replacing in terms of Shai Tuttle and David Onyemata when it comes to run stop win rate, but they are several spots above and beyond when it comes to pass rush win rate. Brian Brzee, one of the better pass rush uh, defensive tackles in this year's class. There are only really a couple of those guys. And so with that, you know what you're getting in Brian Brzee, but can he be the guy that you can also rely on to create opportunities for other players, eat up double teams on the interior to free up gaps that the second level players can shoot? Picking up those double teams on the interior, which then creates those one-on-one opportunities for the edge rushers over on the outside. So a guy like Brian Brzee, holds within his role 
the opportunity to not only be able to make himself better, but make the players around him better too, by freeing them up for additional opportunities. And one of the guys that he's going to be able to help out for many, many years to come, if all goes well, is former Notre Dame pass rusher, now New Orleans Saints, second round selection on the edge, Isaiah Foskey. He has a little bit of a different situation that he's got to be able to um, kind of tick up a little bit in order to have an immediate rookie impact. But if Brian Brzee ends up doing what he needs to do, it makes the job a little bit easier. Let's get to Isaiah Foskey next as we continue on and wrap up today's episode of Locked on Saints, part of Locked on Podcast Network, your team every day. Let's get it. Houdat Nation, wrapping up today's episode of Locked on Saints with a look at Isaiah Foskey. Want to say thank you to everybody who's here live in the chat. Albert, Jerry, Randy, Neil, uh, Joe, I see you. 777, I see you. Neville, I see a whole bunch of folks. So I appreciate y'all very much for being here for another live episode. Oh, Kevin too. Uh, I want to appreciate, I want to say I appreciate y'all very much being here for another live episode and for everybody, of course, that's here catching the show later. On tomorrow's episode, tomorrow morning's episode, we're going to be taking a look at what we want to learn about the New Orleans Saints defense in the second week of OTAs. We talked about the uh, offensive side in yesterday or in this morning's episode, tomorrow morning, Tuesday morning, we'll take a look at um, the, the defensive side. And then once OTA practice is over and then I get home, we'll go live and we'll go over everything that we kind of saw and heard throughout the second um, portion of OTAs that uh, that is open. So I appreciate y'all very much for being here and making us your everyday show here on Locked on Saints. Appreciate y'all. All right. So let's jump into uh, the Isaiah Foskey situation here or not situation, right? Just what is it that Isaiah Foskey can do to make himself a little bit more impactful right away? And I think the biggest thing when it comes to Isaiah Foskey is that he's like practically pro ready. And we discussed this before he was drafted as well, that he would be somebody that makes a ton of sense for the Saints in the second or third rounds, and that he was a guy that comes in with massive production, uh, a pretty good pass rushing repertoire, good counters, which is unusual for a collegiate defensive end coming into the NFL, but he's a guy that's able to get second, third effort pass rush success and pass rush wins. So that means that if he gets stalled initially by a, you know uh, an offensive tackle or whomever it is that's trying to block him and he gets stalled immediately then he usually has a counter and then a second effort and then a third effort to be able to get into the backfield and that's the type of thing that you love to see that's a really good sort of canvas to start with so the thing that's going to make Isaiah Foskey a little bit more impactful right away is going to be dealing with the variety of tackles that he's going to go up against if you look back at his collegiate time particularly in Big 10 environments where he's playing against, you know, some NFL offensive linemen. You look back at the Ohio State game that he played, for instance, uh, dealt a little bit, you know, not so well with the power of Paris Johnson, uh, but also got stymied by the just the sheer reach of Dewan Jones. And those types of players are in the NFL on almost every roster across offensive lines. And so he'll need to sort of develop a specified pass rushing plan that's built for who he's going up against. Now, the way that this ends up getting done is, or the reason why you should have some confidence that this will get done is that he's going to be lining up and practicing and in the film room and studying every single day with Cam Jordan, who does something similar to this and has had a lot of success. Cam Jordan has beaten every type of offensive tackle that's out there. Isaiah Foskey has all the tools. He's got the makeup and he has the production. He knows how to win and he doesn't give up. He doesn't take snaps off, all of those other things. So those are the things that we're going to see when it comes to the um when it comes to the 
improvements that you want to see around Isaiah Foskey. And much like with Brian Brzee, the reason why you should feel comfortable with these improvements can be made really comes down to who's around these players. And so a defensive line coach like Todd Grantham, who has found success as a defensive line specialist, I know he struggled a little bit in the collegiate ranks as a defensive coordinator, days at Florida, (coughs) excuse me, days at Florida weren't great. But when it comes to what he's done as a defensive line specialist, it has worked out. Dennis Allen has consistently put together solid defensive lines. Ryan Nielsen, of course, was a huge part of that, but Ryan Nielsen's not in the building anymore. So that's where Todd Grantham has to be sort of the neutralizer. And I think when you look at where the Saints have continued to build on the defensive line and the way that they've done it, it's clear that Todd Grantham and the New Orleans Saints, they want to attack. And so if you want to attack, you got to be able to put together an attacking defensive line. So with all of that piece, um, there's going to be an opportunity there for guys like Isaiah Foskey and Brian Brzee to work with the right people to be able to kind of kick them in the butt and let that you know improvement that they'll need to make one way or another and that you should expect one way or another to happen maybe sooner rather than later. So for Isaiah Foskey, it's just about developing sort of that understanding of how to put himself in positions to win against all these different types of offensive tackles, the power guys that stymie you immediately with their strength, the anchor guys that can sit back, let you come to them, and then just boom, sit down and then hold on. And that's where leverage is a big part of the conversation. And that's definitely a place where Isaiah Foskey can learn to maybe change that leverage, know when he needs to utilize it in different ways against different styles of pass rushers or excuse me, pass blockers. Similarly, you've also got these tackles that have long, long, long arms, a lot of length to their, uh, and a lot of size to their name. And so because of that, they have the ability to just boom, get that initial punch and hold them up. And then that's where sort of those second, third effort plays are going to be important for Isaiah Foskey. So he's going to struggle probably early on when he's facing a variety of different type of offensive tackles for the Saints. Look for them to try to free him up on stunts and twists, get him a little bit of a running start, be creative in terms of being able to allow him to be disruptive in ways that aren't just about him going from a three-point stance into an offensive tackle. Look for them to mix it up. Similarly with Brian Brzee, these are things that not only the players individually can get better at, improve, and jump the hurdles. But these are things also that the Saints can game plan for specifically and be able to scheme up opportunities for them to be able to isolate these guys and utilize them as pass rushers, get them involved in stunt simulated pressures, things like that, that will allow them to be able to pick up a little bit of speed, be the speed, the power conversion guys and all of that. So I think that those are kind of the big things that you look at where you can say, okay, here's how the Saints can make these players better. And Here's how these players can individually get better at the same time. So it's all good news for the New Orleans Saints. At least it is until uh, we get to the point to where, you know, we're seeing it not work. And once we see it not work, then all of a sudden we're talking about it a different way. But as of right now, when everything's projection, when everything is, you know, kind of looking ahead and saying, hey, here's what they could be. Here's what could happen. It's all positive at the moment. But you can see that those things are absolutely there and attainable not only for the team, but also for the players. Okay, got a couple of different little things here that I wanted to make sure that I address from the chat. Uh, I got a question here that says, uh, Ross, correct me if I'm wrong, but uh, were you going to include fans into the outro sometimes in your video? Is that still a thing or no? Yes, it is absolutely still a thing. And I'm so sorry. Once I started doing the two-a-days, I kind of got like really into tunnel vision with the content and then I completely lost track of that. So I will reset all of that in tomorrow's episode so you know what to do 
Let me get you the details and the information so that I'm not doing it like in haste here. But in tomorrow's episode, I'll explain that. And I would love, love, love for us to be able to do that. I'm so sorry. I got I got super, super just like focused in on creating content for the show that I like lost all that. So uh, big thank you. I'm seeing all the compliments and everything in the chat. I really appreciate y'all. And I'm seeing the dissenting opinions too, which is also awesome. I love conversation. I love dissenting opinions. I want it. Uh, so I appreciate everybody for like coming in and, and and being able to do that. And you know me, we have the opportunity to be able to go over some of those dissenting opinions. And look, I can argue whatever you want me to. So that make any difference to me. I love it all. Uh, all right. So thank you so much, everybody, for all of the... Oh, 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 sorry. Here's the other thing that I wanted to address. Kevin Meadows, thank you so much for reminding me. What's the holdup with Foskey and his contract signing? Don't worry about this. Don't worry about this. I think there's still like 25, 26, maybe, maybe a little bit less. It's in the 20s. Uh, second round players that haven't signed their contracts yet. This is very common. Uh, if you remember right, last year's second round selection, Alante Taylor uh, didn't sign his contract until like July 20th, July 21st after training camp had begun. Isaiah Fossey's at the facility. He's been on the field. That's all that matters. The contract doesn't matter. It'll be fine. They're probably just working on you know different language and guarantees and offsetting stuff and everything. And they could also be doing this wise thing and waiting for more of those second round contracts to get filled out, signed, done, just in case some folks start getting above their scheduled pay. Isaiah Foskey obviously would want to take advantage of that as well. So that's 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 where that is. Don't worry about the contract. It'll be fine. Appreciate you as always, y'all, for coming through for another episode of Locked on Saints coming up in tomorrow morning's episode, the Tuesday morning episode. What are we looking to learn from the New Orleans Saints defense in OTAs week two? Got that coming up for you and much more. Thanks as always, y'all, for making me a part of your day, a part of your routine, for saying yes to me and the show. As always, if you see me, say hi. And if you want to continue the conversation one-on-one with me beyond this point, head over to joinsubtext.com slash locked on. Saints. If you need anything else around your New Orleans Saints in between these episodes, make sure you follow me on Twitter at Ross Jackson, N-O-L-A. Hit me up. Let me know how the family's doing. Let me know how you're living. Let me know how you're moming them. And trust you, that nation, I'll holla at you.